All right. Good morning. Glad to be here with you all today. Thankful to be uh, smelling food right now. It's always really difficult, I'm sure, for you guys to sit and listen to me for a few minutes uh, while you got that going on in your back of your mind. Because don't worry, I do too. So I'll try to make it a not the longest term I've preached. Okay. So uh, just a recap of last week. If you haven't been here, we've been going through the book of Luke, and it's been really refreshing. I think, just to spend some time in the gospel. And last week we talked about this whole idea of this kingdom on earth business that Jesus was about. And we talked about allowing people to help other people, or allowing people to help you in your life. So, right? we, talked, we all agreed that one of our core values as Christians is that we are to help other people. But if that's true, the inverse has to be true as well, that we have to be the ones receiving help at times. And when we do receive help and we do give help, both of those things are about this kingdom on earth business, right? When we pray the Lord's Prayer, may your kingdom come, right? We're praying that God's kingdom reigns here on earth right now. But when we extend help to other people, guess what we're doing? We're infiltrating the kingdom of God here on earth. And that's a special thing. I think we need to continue to keep that in our minds. So um, a lot of us like to do a lot of different things, different you know, whether it be construction or, or working on a vehicle or doing some kind of sport or activity, but a lot of times the things that we have to do in our lives uh, that do certain things, there's certain equipment that goes along with it. For instance, if you're going to ride a skateboard or ride a bicycle, it's very advantageous for you to also wear a helmet, right? If you're going to work on any kind of flooring or, or put a new laminate or a new tile, you might want to put some knee pads on to save your knees or to save your back if you're from all the bending and stuff like that. If you're going to lift weights, you might want to put a belt around so that your back doesn't, you know, buckle under the pressure of the heavy, uh, heavy weights that you are lifting, right? There are different things that we have in our lives, these different safety equipment things that we have in our lives to not only make our lives easier, but to kind of save our lives from time to time. Safety equipment is extremely important. I think we can all agree with that, right? Fantastic. Remember that. We're going to talk about it a little bit later, okay? Don't worry about it right now, but worry about it later. So today... We're going to be in Luke chapter 6. And when I read Luke chapter 6, it's the moment where I think Jesus is really up to something. When I read the way that Jesus moves and goes about how he's talking to people here, uh, he's talking to these Pharisees in a very strange way. Right? He's almost, in, in a way, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, it almost seems like Jesus is going out of his way so that the Pharisees can see him doing something that they'd be mad about. Right, He's going through the, the, these fields, and it's like he's out of the corner of his eye, to the periphery of his eye, he sees, oh, these guys are watching me again. Hey, guys, go ahead and start picking some grain. Let's see what they do. Right? It's, it's almost like, see uh, what's going to happen when these people see and do what I'm talking about. And so when he's going, through the, he's going through the fields, and he's doing the kernel, he's rubbing these things, and they're eating these things, the Pharisees ask a very direct question to Jesus. And it says, why are you doing what is unlawful? on the Sabbath. Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Hard for us to imagine because we don't really Sabbath. In fact, in our country today, Sabbath is maybe even frowned upon, right? Because you've got to be working 24 or 25 hours a day, eight days a week, right? The whole mentality of work, 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 that's very, very important to us. And, and for good reason, I think it's, it's good to be a hard worker, but this idea of Sabbath, and when we read these verses here, it's sometimes hard for us to connect with because it's just not a typical practice in our lives. When I was in Israel, it was interesting because 
it wasn't like you could go around Sabbath day and not notice that it's Sabbath day, right? One of the interesting things, the most inefficient way for you to get back to your hotel room on the Sabbath day was to take the elevator. Because the elevator at all these hotels we would stay at, they would go from the first floor, open the doors. Go to the second floor, open the doors. Go to the third floor, open the doors. You know why? Because pushing a button is against the Sabbath, right? So if you're there at the hotel and you're a Jewish person observing the Sabbath, you can still ride the elevator, but you're going to have to get off on or the, the doors are going to open on every floor, right? It's one of those things where it's so ingrained into the everyday life and experience of these people that it's everything. It's not just the big things like, oh, I'm not going to go drive into the office today. It's No, it's every aspect of your life is under scrutiny because we want to have this Sabbath to reflect on what God has done and he is doing in our lives. So Jesus is working here in the grain fields. He's absolutely working. What he's doing is, is really not a lot to be done on the Sabbath day. Whoops, Jesus, you messed up again. Sorry, pal. But we got this next ver- these next few verses here where Jesus is going to do kind of the same thing again. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man uh, was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Okay, Jesus, here you go again. Seemingly, intentionally trying to get these guys to recognize something that he is doing wrong. And again, what Jesus is doing here is wrong. You are not supposed to hear somebody on the Sabbath. Jesus, here you go again, breaking God's law in front of everybody. And my, two, my big takeaway is the Pharisees are right. And Jesus is way out of line. First time you'll hear a preacher say that, maybe. I don't know. Jesus, you're out of line. For what you're doing here, you're wrong. You're breaking the law, and you're doing it in front of people, and people are calling you into question, and you don't seem to care all that much. It's interesting. Does Jesus not understand the Sabbath? Did he miss those parts in his training as, as a student? Did he forget all about that? My bigger question is, do we understand the Sabbath? I have a video clip here that has some sound, if you don't mind prepping some sound for me. If you can get the, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's about four and a half minutes, so please bear with me. But I found this clip, and it's going to do a much better job of explaining the Sabbath to us Gentiles better than I could. Okay, so bear with me here, and uh, watch this video. The number seven is a big deal in the Bible. Yeah, in biblical Hebrew, the word seven is connected to the idea of fullness or completeness. And that's something we all long for, but don't often experience. Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no real rest. Yes. Now keep all that in mind as we turn to Genesis 1 in the Bible. It begins with darkness and disorder, but then God speaks to bring about light and order so that life can flourish. And this happens over the course of six days. Each day is marked with the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops and rests. Right. Creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. And that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it doesn't appear on day seven. 
It's like a day with no end. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures, including humans, who are appointed to rule the world with God forever. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that. But the humans are deceived by a dark power, and they forfeit that rest. They're exiled into the wilderness, where they have to work as slaves to the land. Until they die and return to the dust from which they came. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh day rest. So he chooses to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest so they can share it with others. But how? They're in Egypt, slaves to an oppressive empire who's grinding them into the dust. So God confronts Egypt and liberates the Israelites, taking them through the darkness and chaos on the way to the promised land. Now, while they're on their way, they find themselves in the wilderness. It's easy to get lost. Life is a struggle. They're not in the land of rest yet. But while they're on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they're in the promised land. But how do you practice the future rest in the wilderness? Well, God tells them that every seventh day they are to stop their work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world. So take a whole day to live as if the ultimate rest has already come. Yeah, this is the Sabbath, celebrated every week on the seventh day. But there's more. The Sabbath is just one of seven festivals that Israel practiced every year, each one anticipating that seventh day rest. That is a lot of sevens. And there's even more. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate slaves, forgive debts, and let the land rest for a whole year. And then... Every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh day rest, called the year of Jubilee. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt, all was forgiven, everything restored. Wow, so the Sabbath, these feasts, the year of Jubilee, it's all pointing towards the hope of future rest. Right. Now, when the Israelites went into the land, they forgot their God, and so they forfeited their chance for rest in the promised land. They're exiled and enslaved again by an oppressive nation, led back into a world of chaos and disorder. But Israel's prophets said that their exile would end one day, and that the ultimate jubilee of freedom and rest would come, but generations go by, and they're still waiting. It's at this dark point in the story that Jesus appears, and he launches his public mission on a Sabbath day. Yeah, he read aloud from the scroll of Isaiah, saying that it was time for all captives and slaves to be released because this was the year of the Lord's favor. What did he mean, this is the year of the Lord's favor? He was talking about the ultimate jubilee. Also, Jesus is claiming that seventh-day rest would come through him. Right, he said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath, and he confronted disorder and darkness in all of its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even from death itself. Yet... Jesus was killed, so even his work was undone. Well, it seemed that way. But notice, Jesus timed his death to take place at the end of the week. His body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath, and on the eighth day, he rose from the dead. Oh wait, the eighth day? You mean the first day of a new week? Exactly. Jesus' resurrection was like the first day of a new creation, where God's light and life broke into the darkness. So because of the resurrection... We have hope in God's promise of future rest. But we're not there yet. It's like we're still in the wilderness where we experience struggle and pain. But as we journey towards that ultimate seventh day, Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now by following him. Or in his words, 
Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All right. So like I said, I could not have done a a better job than that. Hold on for a second. Um, So you guys just heard about the Sabbath. It's not something that we normally practice. Just give me one second here. Um, It's not something we normally practice. being the Gentiles that we are. Uh, but there's a few things that I want us to be made aware of here as we continue. That Three things that I kind of saw from this video that kind of informed me a little bit is that God instituted rest in creation, right? From the very beginning, God said there's going to be a time where you're going to rest, not because you're just tired or because you're working too hard. It's because I want you to reflect on the beauty of my creation. I want you to reflect on the beauty of my creation in you. And in doing so, you'll be able to reflect and see all the good that I have done. He says this, and this is another takeaway from the video, is to live as if rest has already come, even in captivity, even while they're at the hands of the Egyptians in the Babylonians, in the wilderness experience that we have today, there is opportunity for us to experience rest today and almost kind of pretend as if we are fully at rest with God, to not just pretend and say, go through the motions, but to say, God, your creation is so beautiful. Your creation is still awesome, and I am still your creation, and I'm thankful for that. And the last thing here is ultimate rest and jubilee is found in Jesus. Right? The ultimate liberation, the ultimate Sabbath is coming eventually, and Jesus started this process by coming, living, and dying on this earth, and it's all been put into place, and this is where we're at. Now, we have not found rest today, but Jesus has started something that's going to continue to happen until eternity. So now go back to Jesus. And this is the part where things get a little bit very clear as to what Jesus is trying to tell them and to tell us. Then Jesus said to them after he was questioned by the Pharisees, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord of the of the Sabbath, yet another bold statement from Jesus. Remember, we talked about the boldness in the teaching of Jesus, the authority that he would speak with, the things that he would say that this is being fulfilled in me today on Sabbath day, remember? He's saying again, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am Lord over this thing that you guys have been experiencing for a very long time, and I'm about to Very, very bold statement. Jesus broke rules. Like I said, he's working when he's not supposed to. He's healing when he's not supposed to. He broke rules, but he did it for the sake of God's kingdom. Very, very interesting. He did it for the sake of God's kingdom. And look how he responds here in verses 3 and 4. Jesus answered them, Have you ever, or have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. What I like that Jesus does here is that he doesn't say, no, 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 you're wrong. You see, the reason why I'm doing this is because of this. No, he acknowledges, yeah, what I'm doing is technically breaking the Sabbath right now. But remember your person, David, this person you've been looking forward to coming again, another person like David for a very long time. Remember when he was on the run on a mission from God, he himself went and did this thing that he should not have done. And God didn't strike him down. And in fact, he was blessed by God in the mission that he was undertaking. And if you go back to 1 Samuel, you'll be reminded of that series we did last year, right, where, 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 where David's on the run from Saul once again. 
But he uses this example to say you're not wrong, but you're kind of missing the point. You're not wrong, but you're kind of missing the point. Hold on a second. These are not prescriptions, so. All right. Later, the Pharisees are put in a tough spot, okay? So Jesus asked the question, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? Man. Jesus knows how to get himself out of situations, it seems like. Because what are they going to say? Actually, Jesus, you're right. It is better to do evil on the Sabbath, right? They're not going to say that. But what he's doing is he's challenging their perception of the thing that they are currently in by saying, all the things that you're accusing me of, what is lawful, to do good or to do evil? What should I do in this situation? You tell me, you wise Pharisees, in this moment. Which is, good, which is better, to do good or to do evil? Jesus is pushing against their understanding of the Sabbath. He's peeling back delicate layers for Israel. We don't realize it. We just saw this brief video, but we still don't realize the delicate layers that Jesus is kind of cutting away, chopping away, chiseling away for these people on this specific day of the week. He is not supposed to be doing this. And not only that, but he is pushing against that verbally and with his action saying, you got it slightly wrong. You're missing the whole point of what I'm doing here. They've become disconnected between the ritual of the Sabbath and what it's supposed to mean for God and for their relationship with God. Hold on one second. Okay. This is my son's. I don't think it's going to fit. Okay. My question is, people on Facebook, this is going to live on, on the internet for a while, okay? Do I look strange right now? Please say yes. Okay. I look very strange. But you cannot say that I'm not prepared. Right? I'm prepared. Look, look at this high-vis jacket I got. I've had this since high school in my truck. Just in case I break down at night, people can see me, right? I am prepared for a roadside accident. And these are my special uh, racquetball slash cutting wood goggles. I don't want to get wood chips in my eyes. I don't want to get a racquetball to the eye. That would hurt very badly. Am I prepared to play some racquetball? Yes, I am. Please tell me I am. Yes. Chuck, am I prepared to turn some wood? Okay. I'm prepared. Now, I have this helmet on. This is not my helmet. It is not up to safety requirements. i got a big head. But if I were to be riding a bicycle or riding a skateboard or doing something and I fell down, this would protect my head, right? And I am prepared to ride a bike and I'm prepared to ride a skateboard, right? But right now, do I look strange? Yes, because I'm not riding a skateboard. I'm not a roadside accident at night. I'm not ready to play racquetball. I'm going to start taking this stuff off now. But listen, listen. What's so interesting about this is when I kept reading these verses, this image came to my mind as to what the Pharisees kind of look like in this situation. They're prepared for all the wrong things. They have maybe the right heart behind it. We want to serve God and we want to respect the Sabbath and we want to be prepared. We want to be preparing ourselves for eternity with you, this rest that we're going to experience. But they're preparing in all the wrong ways. They look silly, like me. They look like they're wearing a bicycle helmet and racquetball glasses and high-vis jacket and high-vis vest, 
all that stuff, they're prepared for something, but they're not prepared for the right thing. And we can look at the Pharisees and say, man, how twisted did they have it? Their reality is so wrong, they got it all backwards. But unfortunately, we look like this all too often. All too often, Christians are wearing this kind of stuff around, right? And the world sees this, and you're like, you look kind of silly because the message that you're talking about, the gospel and this Jesus, it sounds very good, but when you say it the way that you say it, it doesn't seem right. The things that you're obsessed about, the things that you think are the most important, it doesn't really sound like the Jesus that you're talking about. We want to make the gospel say what we want. We want to be preparing for a kingdom that we want. We want our ideas and our agendas to be the gospel. But the fact of the matter is, we end up looking silly when we're preparing for the wrong thing. We might be prepared in an idea, but we're not prepared in practice. And so we get back to the story. We get back to Jesus and he has this, this Sabbath conversation, but he turns all of it towards the kingdom, right? He, torn, he turns all of it to the kingdom. My question is, Jesus, what are you up to? What are you up to in this place? It seems that you have a big undertaking before you. But in Luke chapter 5, he kind of told this, this was going to happen, right? He says this in Luke 5, beginning in verse 33. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece of a new garment to patch on the old one. Otherwise they will have torn a new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the new wine will burst from the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins, and no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. Jesus is acknowledging people are going to have a very difficult time receiving what he is saying. This newness, people are going to still say the old is better. And I look at this scene here where he's walking through the grain fields and where he's, he's performing this miracle on this man with the paralyzed hand, and the people are saying, no, we prefer the old way, Jesus. We're prepared for what we were preparing for for a very long time. What you're doing is challenging my perception of reality. And Jesus says, okay, but guess what? I am Lord of the Sabbath. This thing you've been preparing for, you've actually been preparing for me. But you don't realize it yet. You don't realize it yet. The world around him is just preparing for the and so Luke is actually kind of obsessed with this idea of breaking Sabbath. He talks about it four separate times in his gospel. But the thing is that when I always say is that if you see it more than once, it's probably really important. Jesus keeps breaking the Sabbath in front of people, right? In front of people who are also breaking the Sabbath in a way, right? I don't know about you, but like following somebody seems to be breaking the Sabbath, right? If you're intentionally following Jesus to see if he's going to break the Sabbath, that seems like work. I don't know. But Jesus is going to continue to do this because he's trying to alert people to say, you are prepared for the wrong thing, especially when it comes to Sabbath. So the question is, what could I be missing? Because we are those Pharisees too, right? We are often the ones preparing for the wrong thing. What are we missing that Jesus might, might want me to notice? 
Now, I think this all ties back into the context, but Sabbath is necessary, right? Okay, yeah, I want some, yeah. Sabbath is absolutely necessary. But even the thought of that makes me want to crawl into a you know, hole and just lie there for a little bit. Why? Because I don't want anybody to think I'm lazy. I don't want anybody to think I, I, I'm useless or that I, I need to do something in order to be valuable to somebody. But when I read what Jesus is saying, it's not really about the rest of ourselves. It's about reflecting on what God is up to. The Sabbath was not just a recharge family time. Oh, thank goodness I don't have to go to the, the office today. No, it is a time to say, God, what are you up to around me? I have to notice it. Because if we do not do Sabbath, I think we're going to all of a sudden be preparing for all the wrong things. We have elections coming up. Guess what? A lot of people are going to try to make Jesus Republican. People are going to try to make Jesus a Democrat. And guess what? That's just not true. We want to put Jesus in these boxes and this thing that I'm really passionate about. I'm going to stand on the gospel and say, this is, this is right because Jesus would say it's right. Guess what? That's a lot of you talking. And we get wrapped up in those narratives. We get wrapped up in the talking heads. The people are shouting at one another. Nothing is really being said. Nothing is really being listened to. And I think it all goes back to this, that we're not taking Sabbath and we're not recognizing what God is up to around us. We are preparing for the wrong thing. Jesus says, stop. Psalm 61 says this. I go back to this. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Do you feel the comfort in that psalm? It's like that deep exhale or sigh of relief. I don't know if you deep exhale. You have a deep inhale and a exhale. Where that is safety, that is comfort. And that is the thing that I think Jesus wants us to gravitate towards when we are thinking about Him on Sabbath. And not just on Sabbath, but Sabbath is that hard reset to say, God, what are you up to right now? How can I notice you today? How can I stop preparing for the wrong thing and be about the thing that you're leading me towards? So Sabbath is necessary. And the second thing is to seek to remove any unnecessary accessories. Right? These are very, very valuable accessories when you're doing the things that you need to do with them. This is extremely valuable. It, it, it protects the most important part of your entire body. But if you're walking around with one of these things in Walmart, people are going to look at you weird. If you're preaching a sermon with this on, people are going to look at you weird. This is unnecessary right now. But the problem is, is that sometimes those unnecessary things that we hold on to, those unnecessary things that we just keep on like, basing our faith around, we don't know that they're unnecessary. Why? Because we're not taking Sabbath. We're not reflecting on God. So in order to recognize the unnecessary things, I think it kind of goes in a circle. God, what do I need to sever from my life? What do I need to stop doing? And what do I need to start doing? And I am not saying by any means that I am perfect at this. In fact, I am on a journey right now to be more uh, intentional about this in my life. And I will say our leadership is not perfect at this. Because if our church was really perfect at cutting out things that aren't necessary and just being about the gospel, I think we'd look a lot different. But I think there is a journey that we're all on to saying we want that more. We want it more. 
we are not perfect, and I'm sure there are things that we're doing that you're saying, why on earth are you doing that? I don't know. <laughs> but we are trying to get to a place where we are just about the gospel. We're trying to get to this place where Jesus is saying, you are preparing for the right things. We're not there yet. But we are on a process, on a journey, to illuminate what Jesus illuminates and to cut off what Jesus wants us to cut off. Jesus is very direct when he talks about the things, right, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, right? If your eye causes you to sin, what are you supposed to do? Keep it, you know, keep, make sure that it's, you know, well rested. And, and No, he said cut it out, right? He's very, very direct about those things. And I want to be more direct about those things in my life. I want our church to be more direct. Not in a mean or nasty way, but in a way that says, how can we get closer to the gospel and less about ourselves? How can we be preparing, like he's saying, prepared for the Sabbath, and not be prepared about something else that seems important to us in the moment. I don't know what that looks like, but I do know that there are people in this room that are really, really good at this. Maybe talk to them. Lean on them. Seek out wise counsel to say, hey, how can I live more with these, less of these unnecessary accessories and more towards what God is calling me to be? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for giving us an opportunity to talk about the Sabbath this morning. I know many of us in, in here uh, really hate that word. Uh, we don't want to rest. We want to get things done. We want to take advantage. We want to do all these things. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that when we do not Sabbath, when we are just so against that notion, we aren't able to reflect on what God is doing. We are not able to see what he has done and what he's going to continue to do throughout eternity. If we're talking about practicing for eternity now, this is a paramount objective in our lives. Help us to seek this out. Help us to, to, to do away with those unnecessary things in our lives and prepare what you are doing for us today. It's in Jesus' name, amen. If you have any needs at all, if you feel like you are carrying around some unnecessary things, if you've built walls around yourself and you don't know what to do with them, we might not know what to do with them either, but at least we'll be doing it together. I want to offer you a path forward to do something together in community. We're both going to struggle. We're all going to struggle. But if we're struggling alone, that's right where he wants us. Right where he wants us. If we're struggling together, that's something that changes the world. If you have any needs at all, we want to offer you this time to come forward. But if you don't want to come forward, I offer this opportunity to talk to somebody. Just talk to somebody today. Won't you come on with stand and sing?